Hi, and welcome to the People Watching podcast. My name is Emily Perry, and I am the host of this podcast. In today's episode, we speak to Emma Warren. Emma is the founder of Elite Staffing Solutions, a recruitment business based down in Somerset. And as well as being an amazing business leader, Emma is one of my best friends. In this podcast episode, we talk all about Emma's journey to becoming a business owner. And Emma gets really honest about some of the challenges she's faced whilst owning a business. She talks about motherhood. She talks about how COVID impacted. And then we go on to talk about some of the challenges that businesses are facing currently in relation to the apparent skills shortage and labour shortage. I hope you really enjoy this podcast. I love chatting to Emma and found her conversation to be really insightful and really interesting. Welcome to Emma Warren, to the People Watching podcast. Um, It's the first episode, so in these situations, you have to call in favours from your best (laughs) mate. Um, and it just so happens that my best mate is a really amazing business owner so I thought I'd start with her um, as a good place to start so welcome Emma thank you Emily what a what an intro (laughs) no pressure (laughs) no pressure so the people watching podcast what I really wanted to do with this podcast is to not just make it all about HR and that side of things because I think that would be quite dull for everyone I want to talk to people because all the podcasts that I listen to all the ones that I really enjoy listening to are all about people and their journeys and kind of how they've got to where they are today so that we can all learn from all the experiences that we all have so to kick off can you tell us a bit about your journey? I hate that word, but I can't think of another word. <laughs> tell us a bit about how you've got to where you are today, what you do today, and yeah, tell us about that. Okay, so um, I guess it's best to start with these things from the beginning of my sort of career, and um, I guess that that happened when I made the decision as a young person not to go to university and it was a very conscious decision on my part and one that I struggled with a little bit uh, because that was what was expected of me at the time Um, but I was very much ready to go into the working world and having had parents who were entrepreneurs um, who had their own business I sort of had that strong work ethic instilled in me from a really young age and had been working since I was 14 um, in fact so I I was very keen to get going so I started life um, in a, a corporate travel or business which was interesting booking hotel uh travel for for business people um and that's where I met one of my other closest friends right back in the in the early days which we still laugh about now because I gave her all the horrible bookings um and I guess that sort of showed my ability to delegate from quite an early age but I'm um, so the rubbish jobs yeah. <laughs> yeah so basically I then went on to work for a, a very large and um leading medical insurance company which was I sort of credit it with being like my university because I spent four years with them um, and that was an incredible experience I learned a lot about service and how to look after customers um, and it was quite a challenging role um, and 
um, I, I sort of also went into my first sales role in that organization uh, of which was self-employed so by by no uh, again quite a difficult decision I made to just decide at 21 that I was going to become a commission only sales person um, <laughs> which <laughs> I don't quite know what I was thinking at the time but um, <laughs> yeah totally but it was um, it was uh, again a humongous learning curve to go from being in a very comfortable environment where you know I had my paycheck coming through monthly and you know nice set of benefits and a nice little team and everything was very very easy to all of a sudden I was thrust out into the, the real world of if I don't sell something I am not going to earn anything and traveling around North Devon and Somerset in the depths of winter in my Vauxhall Corsa um, was quite depressing at times but um, but it, it sort of it showed me that I really enjoyed working with people and the one thing that I really took from that experience was when you take away people from my environment um, I really really struggled with that and um, so again you know, whatever experience you're given in life you have to take the positives and as, as I say I learned a lot about myself in, in, a, in a year of doing that and then I, I moved to West Sussex and I fell into recruitment like most people probably do um, and spent five headless years um, in high street agency again headlessly started as a part temporary receptionist um, on a wing and a prayer and uh, I gradually worked my way up to branch manager uh, which I loved. I loved my time in recruitment. It was sort of seated me down to the ground. Again, all focused on people, bit of sales, service. I've met some amazing people. And then we had the financial crash of 2008. Um, and the, again, the pressure on me to sell, to keep my job, to keep the job of the people that were in my office. Um, the doors of our branch open were pretty it was pretty incredible um, pressure. Um, and after sort of two years of successfully doing that, keeping my own job and keeping the branch open, I think I just hit a point of, whoa, um, I need a bit of sort of time to reflect. And I moved back to Somerset and I went back into insurance again. And I spent another happy, you know, four and a half years in that, in, in that industry, which I also love. And then I decided, uh, obviously, we started a family. And it was whilst I was on maternity leave. Um, I think my daughter was five months old, Martha. And um, I had the epiphany that actually I'm a bit bored um, <laughs> of watching Peppa Pig and do whatever I was doing at the time. I think I'm going to think about set up a business, actually. <laughs> so I think. <laughs> why not why not got time on your hands and I think I spoke with you and uh, you kindly gave me some little tasks to do for, for you at the time to get my sort of hand back into the recruitment game and hence Elite Staffing Solutions was born um, about five months after Martha was born wow. and um, and that is where we are now wow so obviously your career has been quite interesting in the fact that, as you say, you kind of didn't follow the traditional path of going to university. You've worked in a number of different industries. What was it that made you go, I want to set up a recruitment business? Because I think looking at your sort of history, you could have done lots of different things. So what was it about 
a recruitment business, this is what I want to do. I think when I was thinking about this question and when I when I'm thinking about it and if I'm being really honest the it was about a lack of control actually which was sort of a bit of um the kind of reason why I decided to set up my own business was because I think I was working for an organization that was changing and growing and then I went on maternity leave and I think when you have a baby you experience the biggest feeling of lack of control you will ever have um, I realized again about myself that I'm a huge control freak which I'd never thought I was funnily enough before but then I realized whoa um, yeah. I am a huge control freak and then things in the business I was working for were changing and I was fighting against meant to be on maternity leave mm -hmm. but I was struggling not being involved with the business anymore that was kind of my identity for a long time was what I did for a job and rightly so they were you know you're on maternity don't you just not down to you to get involved but I was really struggling with that so I was I was faced I guess with these two situations of being very out of control um, which kind of gave birth to that idea of hold on the, the ultimate control in your career is having your own business and completely being in charge of your own destiny um, and I think I'd be quite good at that <laughs> um, so I and I thought about well, what can what can I do and another friend of mine had set up a, a recruitment business and I'd watched her business evolve um quite successfully and I thought you know that was something I was I felt I was naturally good at and it ties in all of the things from my career because I thought I could use the insurance industry because I felt at the time it needed um a solid ethical recruiter um and so I can tie all of these things in together um and that was I guess why it, it sort of felt like a good idea and I thought I said to myself right I'm going to write a business plan and if it comes easily and I can just do it without even thinking about it it's the way to go and um Oh, that's what I did and it did come easily and I just sat at a laptop and bashed it out in in a few hours and even before I knew all about this stuff I was asking for signs of whether this was right for me and that was the first sign yeah. and then I decided that I wanted to get an office because again relating that experience back to when I was self-employed the first time and really struggling to work on my own I thought well I need to be around other people if I'm going to do yeah. this so if I can get this office at this price for this amount of time, then I know, again, this is the right thing yeah. for me. And then, and that happened and, and there we go. And again, so I, I thought, right, there's no, there's no stopping me now. I've just got a hammer notice in, which was again, very difficult, but worth doing. Yeah. So everything that you say there, I mean, as an outsider kind of listening in and, and somebody who has set up their own business twice now, mm. I'm very, I'm very different. And, and it sounds like you were just like very logical. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then I'm just going to jump off that cliff and do it. And you sound like you've got no fear. Would you say that's true? Not normally um, at all. Um, I'm, I'm someone that does have a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety around certain things but I guess there was one there was a couple of circumstances that um made this less 
worrying than normal is that one I was already on maternity leave I was already earning pennies and relying on for the first time ever relying on someone else at the time my husband to kind of pay the bills which I've never had happen in, in my life up until that point so I guess when you look at an insurance person you look at risk and and the risk was quite minimal um, and then the other factor again around risk was if this doesn't work out in the space of three to six months I'm fairly sure I'm employable enough to get a job um, and someone even if I didn't care what that job would have been either really I really wouldn't have cared at that stage whether I had to work stacking shelves or whatever so it was a case of looking at those risk factors I was scared like I was scared to um walk out of my com- again comfortable job but I'd done it once already yeah. and and when I looked back yeah okay that was quite a challenging set of circumstances but nothing really terrible happened off of the back of it so again it's sort of bit when you look at fear I suppose yeah my I'm trying to um figure out you know what's the worst that can happen I go into that place and yeah. when I ticked those boxes off there was there was nothing to be frightened of I guess yeah yeah it's really interesting how different people approach that because mm. I think that I am I'm the same I'm a real worrier about everything but I think I like to almost to my own detriment that I will sit and just ruminate over things yeah and over again whereas actually I think I've heard some people call it doomsday planning where you literally go when you're feeling that fear you go right let's look at the worst case scenario in these things that I'm feeling and actually let's make a plan for if that happens Mm -hmm. and I think that's a really good tip for anyone that's listening that is kind of struggling to make that big decision because I think it just you're right it takes all the fear out of it and as somebody who I'm a control freak too but you, yeah. it gives you a bit of control doesn't it because you can yeah. go, actually if x happens I will do this or yeah. I will do that so again it's just taking that kind of the fear out of it by putting some real practical actions yeah and I've used that sort of technique I think a lot throughout having the business as well because you know when you start employing people and other people start relying on on you to survive in you know in in just from that sort of sense it that can the anxiety of that can become quite overwhelming um so again I kind of go back to that whole thing of right you know what's worst case scenario what would I do in that situation and I sort of talk myself down I think as well it's um in the four hour work week Tim Ferriss recommends that as a as a way of kind of overcoming anxiety um and and I definitely think that is a a useful tool to to try if you are of that mindset you know if you are of that sort of mindset and for me it's about like thinking of those practical solutions so that I can get away from feeling just frightened (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) and then you but then you can end up as I often do you just get into this kind of procrastination nightmare where you don't actually then get anything done so I think yeah if you've got that sort of technique that you know really works you can keep coming back to that time again to sort of push you through Mm -hmm. so elite staffing solutions where are you today what does that look like so we are now, um, so we're coming up to seven years um, 
in business. Um, there's 10 of us now, and we've evolved um, as I would say a, a, a true specialist agency in certain sectors. Um, we have, you know, you know, we've had our best year ever actually um, off of the back of what was a pretty interesting year in 2020 um, and we've got a real eclectic mix of, of people a fantastic team um, and we're yeah we're in really really good shape actually good good that's yeah it's good to hear because I know yeah as everyone I'm sure can relate to the last couple of years have been somewhat challenging yes um but obviously hearing your story it's you know you've had a lot of positive stuff go on during that time what would you say have been your biggest challenges since you've had your own business so the biggest challenges I again thought about this a little bit and I would say the first biggest challenge was um, when I'd been going about just under a year and I decided to hire my first proper employee because my mother came on board um bless her right from day one so she yeah. her and i've been been together in this um from the start um but um but, you know, I, I don't know why i don't count my mother's employee but i i think that would be slightly rude of me to, to, to call her my employee so <laughs> i thought <laughs> yeah. so my first person came on board and literally two months later i that I was pregnant with my second child which was a bit of a shock um, and and the first thought process that went through my mind was oh um, I'm pregnant <laughs> and the second thought was oh the business you know because before the first time it was all happy days you know great stuff and then the second time it was a whole different ball game um of emotions and um anyway so but i, I, let, I let him into the secret quite quickly because i felt like i needed to um you know get him on, on board yeah. with with things um anyway so i i i was able to then we made another hire actually in in the in that process of me being pregnant because we felt like actually we need more people here it's growing um and when i was just about to return um from return well the very short maternity leave that i afforded myself um he decided to leave and that was the first big challenge i would say that i faced because um I ha i'm lucky enough actually to have only lost two people in the seven years but i struggled with with it i found it i took it personally um you know what have i done wrong um why would they want to leave me you know what what else could possibly be better than than this um, <laughs> um but you know I, I as i say did struggle but off the back of that quite quickly i thought well actually i thought differently about how i treated staff um around you know I think I'd come from the old school way of thinking initially of I'm the employer you're not lucky to work here but you know I'm giving you a job and you you give me your your services um and that him leaving actually made me think more about what am I doing for them like what am I doing to show them that I care and that, that I really value them and so that was a really valuable lesson to earn to learn early but also um, it isn't personal and, you know, people move on um, and, you know, their lives change and you've got to wish people well and you've got to support them in their own growth and you've got to take the lessons that you learn and perhaps look at your business and think, well, 
okay, what areas of this could I make better so that when I, you know, when I hire in the future, I'm going to be giving them the best possible experience. So I took that business that following year and I absolutely revolutionized aspects of it around putting in a new system, putting in a new website. We went for awards, which we won all off the back of that person leaving because it actually opened my eyes um, and I'm pretty competitive deep down. So I think some, I thank him now. I think I, I wanted to sort of show them a little bit about what, what they were missing, a bit like when you know your boyfriend leaves you. So I think you think, right, I'm gonna get my hair cut, I'm gonna lose those weight, and I'm now gonna make you feel really bad. And I guess it was sort of an element of that of that about it, but but off the back of those challenges um always comes positive change, I would say. Yeah, I think you've made a really interesting point. And one of the things I've picked up throughout my sort of time being an HR consultant over the years, when you work with owner managed businesses, it is so different to when you're Mm -hmm. working with, say, a corporate business and the directors, they don't own the business or, you know, whatever it is. And I think unless you've kind of been there and had your own business, it's really hard Mm. to understand just kind of how emotionally attached you can get to that business. And I Mm. know that sort of when I've gone in and helped people deal with, you know, dismissing someone or they're doing a redundancy situation, Mm. the emotional trauma that that can have on the business owner is huge. And I think that, you know, it raises that really interesting question, isn't it? You know, as a business owner, how do you manage that? Because it sounds like you moved quite, you know, you were able to move through that and to teach yourself ways of getting through it. Mm. How, yeah, I mean, how did you do that? Well, it's, it's difficult to explain, I think, because actually I did probably wallow in it for longer than it sounds like the way I've just described it. I remember it was coming up to Christmas and I, I met with some friends I hadn't seen for a while. And one of them was like, oh, I know you've got your own business. It's great. Like, tell me how how you did that. And I tell you, I felt like a fraud. Um, I felt like I'd failed and that by him asking me how I'd been successful, I didn't feel like I was actually um able or worthy of of answering that question because I didn't think like I didn't feel that feel like that at all and it probably took almost a year for me to actually be able to look back and think you know I've learned from this 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 was positive it it took a long time but yeah I think it's just by talking to people who you trust in business who've been through similar situations and they can kind of give you guidance and and just yeah and being you know again just every day um thinking about and reflecting on what you're doing and trying to look for you know positive um outcomes but that is I guess a a discipline I'm I'm quite the way I think naturally is is kind of programmed to be quite positive you know in in a sense um and I've done a lot of work over the last four years particularly around my brain and why I think and how I think and how I can be better at managing my emotions and anxieties and things. But um, yeah, I think it's just always remembering to think about what what is this teaching me? What yeah. is this situation teaching me right now? Yeah. And yeah, and cutting yourself a bit of slack 
here and there and trust having good people around you that you can trust to not only tell you the things that you need to hear but who can be quite honest with you at times as well yeah definitely because again I think again being that business owner you can get really wrapped up in your own head mm-hmm. times because you know it's a lot you're dealing with a lot day in day out you're having to think about so many different things yeah. so yeah it can be quite a lonely place to be yeah I think De- without definitely. having that support network around you mm-hmm. it can be really tough and I know yeah. yeah that was the thing that I massively struggled with sort of in my last business was mm. I was, I mean, I was looking back now, I just, I cringe at some of the things that I used to think and I just wouldn't talk to anyone. And I'd be having these full on meltdowns, but I'd be like, no, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Everything's wonderful. But actually inside I was dying and it was awful. But I think, I don't know, I think maybe the world has moved on a little bit and we are, we do feel that we're able to be a bit more vulnerable and sort of say that actually yeah having a business is great but it's also really freaking hard at times as well yeah absolutely and I think as well you feel sometimes people think what have you got to complain about you know I had this thing hanging over me well I made this decision therefore I can't complain about my situation because it was my decision to do this so but but that said you know it doesn't mean to say you're not it's going to be difficult sometimes and again this is where you know if you've got people around you who who understand and they are they're not going to judge you for having a bad day or you know but I think we are our own worst judges actually we're probably you know way more hard on ourselves than than our friends would ever be yeah. towards us yeah and I think we put that pressure on ourselves yeah we put the standards in place and we kind of beat ourselves up if we're not achieving x y and z within a certain amount of time so yeah exactly. I think I think we all do that absolutely so yeah any other challenges that well I don't know if I'd be human if I didn't say that covid was obviously the next biggest challenge for us as a business um on both you know a personal level and um and a business level and I think I will never forget uh that that day when it was we're all shutting down you know that's it now you're working from home one of my biggest clients said right I'll see you on the other side uh which I was kind of thinking what um and then little you know bit by bit every single job we had was frozen we were all sort of collecting our things walking out the office and then the following week and my team and I laugh about it now but we were literally we we decided um we would just go after everything so I had a person that was phoning up manufacturers to see if they needed stuff we had somebody phoning up GPs and only to discover they were shut as well which was quite I said to the guys oh, they'll have to stay open nope they shut as well um and it was just you know awful I, I was messaging on my local Morrisons um because I'd seen that they were recruiting <laughs> like can we help um, and I laugh about it now but at the time it was it was like being on the Titanic and it was just going down and I you know I was going to be that violinist I think just <laughs> at the end 
but you know thank god i'll never forget them also where i was when i heard about furlough and that was just an unbelievable saving grace for anyone who had employees because it suddenly took humongous amount of pressure off um we forget now like now we're kind of through to the other side almost mm -hmm. um it's really hard to uh, think back to that very first day when they were announcing that we're going into lockdown everyone has to go home and I was the same like I was working in a recruitment business at that time as their HR director and I just remember sitting there watching the announcement on the telly and people just going well I guess you have to go home then yeah like, yeah what the hell are we gonna do and then yeah like you say you know how can we what are we gonna do during this time like mm. there's no furlough hadn't been announced we didn't know no. what that looked like you know everyone was in fear of their jobs yeah yeah and I think actually looking you know it was a really traumatic time yeah. for a lot of people and mm -hmm. you know obviously we're not comparing ourselves to people working on the front line no but, no you know having a business and having that amount of uncertainty yeah been so hard it was crippling it was actually yeah. crippling me from I couldn't think and I remember just feeling at one point so down in the dumps nobody could reach me and um you know I was at home I was just you know at this stage I, I was fortunate enough to be you know in a family situation where I was just going about my day-to-day -day thing like most of the world baking and what have you but inside I was absolutely devastated and I remember my my brother who generally tries to give me pet talks phoned me and I was like just giving it all the usual cliches around how you're going to be okay and just don't even go there right now I just want to wallow in my own yeah. self-pity for a couple of days that's all yeah. I want you to give me and then I'll probably bounce back okay yeah. which obviously we did but you know I I just felt like I'd lost that that was how I would describe it all that I'd worked for for six yeah. years was slipping through my my fingers and I had again going back to that whole control freak nature there was nothing I could do to stop it and you know I would you know, no matter amount of how many supermarkets I rang or you know or jobs I was trying to sort of create in my own head nothing was going to stop it and I just had to sort of surrender myself to the feeling of this is happening yeah. And, you know, what will be, will be. And, you know, going again, going through those sort of practical steps of, right, well, where are we? How long have we got? Um, worst case scenario, like if we didn't make a placement for six months or whatever. Yeah. And then just sort of going, right, I'm here. But I will admit, and shamedly so, to feeling almost annoyed at people that had jobs to go to. Um, I would see some neighbours going off to their very busy lives still. And I was sort of really resentful of that thinking nobody's ringing nobody needs me anymore nobody's ringing yeah. me you know the calls stop emails everything and and it's again that whole thing of losing a little bit of your identity for a moment or you know in time but um but it's not like you say it's nothing to be compared to some of the more devastating aspects of that situation but but certainly it was traumatic for for me um in that sense um but thank goodness um you know it was it was kind of saved by some of the actions that you know of, of the government whether yeah. rightly you whether you agree with them or not um if it hadn't been for furlough I think we would have been in a lot of a worse place as a business yeah 100 percent 
So obviously during that time, you know, it was really difficult for you. How did you stay strong for your team? Like, because they're looking to you for guidance, for leadership during this time. How did you stay strong for them? I think it was, well, there was one particular um, situation that happened. Again, it was like that whole looking for a sign thing. Um, And I had made, I'd spoken to my mum, I, I said he's been in part of the business, he's our financial controller, mm-hmm. and I was agonising over what to do about staffing, and I know some people I knew had already started talking redundancies yeah. and things like that, because this is again before furlough had, had come out, um, people doing what they can to save their businesses, and I phoned up my mum and I said, I made a decision that whatever we've got is for everyone, and once it's gone, it's gone, and then we'll all be out of a job together. And yeah. if I have to set up again, then I will. Um, and, but I'm not, this ship goes down with all of us on it. Yeah. Um, and mum was like, well, that's a bit of a, you know, an interesting decision. You want to think about that. I said, that, that's what I thought. But again, I went away and I sort of said to myself, give me a sign, you know, give me a sign that I'm making the right decision. And I then went to my post box and I had a little note in there, which I opened in an envelope. And it was one of my team had sent to us all some sunflower seeds with a little note with of words of encouragement about, you know, you plant these and we'll be together again. And by the time this um, has grown, you know, we'll be all back together. And I thought, thank you. That is the sign I need. I've got someone in my team who cares enough to go out of her way to, to sort of remember everybody else and and it was such a lovely gesture and I thought no I'm, I've made the right decision and I think it was literally 24 hours later Boris announces the furlough scheme and it was like whoa that's we're all good we're all good um but staying strong I think yeah there were days that were easier than others and I just carry I I sort of set myself a little plan I went into the office three hours a day I was doing blogging and anything I could do just to sort of stay kind of afloat ringing clients not to they didn't want my services but we were just chatting about other stuff and that was giving me a purpose and then every week we would zoom together and I just kept them involved with everything was happening and and we would we would laugh and we'd you know talk to each other about what was going on and they have often spoken about you know how that impacted on them and they they saw that I was prepared to pretty much you know do anything to keep their jobs going and um, and also keep them involved and and be be communicating with them all the time. I don't think there's anything worse for somebody than just sitting in the dark, you know, knowing nothing about what's going on for them. And I heard that a lot of, of some other businesses who didn't communicate with their staff on furlough. And and I that was just sort of the opposite of how we dealt with it. And then you know, bit by bit, they came back, and we were str- so strong off the back of, of that. Um, that situation because I think again they saw a lot about me that maybe some of them didn't know um and I saw a lot about them too and we've gone on you know ever since stronger and stronger no that's really amazing I think yeah that kind of human experience of going through something together mm-hmm. and being vulnerable and showing your vulnerabilities with people yeah so many people are terrified to do that and to you know say how they feel but I think in terms of your team and being a great leader you know the more vulnerable you can be with people 
they see you as a normal human being having mm. a human experience and with that comes the highs and the lows and yeah. I it's yeah the companies that did it really well were the ones that were vulnerable they kept talking to people mm. and they didn't just kind of shut the door and pretend that nothing was going on so yeah yes it is really interesting um I guess on sort of coming out of COVID now obviously you're in the world of recruitment and we're seeing loads of kind of talk at the moment about there being a massive labour shortage Mm -hmm. there are not enough people to fill the jobs that are out there at the minute what's kind of your take on what's going on at the moment? Well it's very interesting time um, for sure and there are a lot of uh, vacancies. I mean, I was discussing it with my colleague. We were thinking about how do we stay visible because you go onto any job board and it is inundated. And there's and now it's compounded by Christmas temps. Every single you know, every single shop's recruiting now. Um, so you know, it's it is challenging, but it's not impossible. And I think I, I said this to someone the other day that some of the issues we've got are actually not to do with Brexit. They're not to do with COVID. They're to do with a long-term failure on a lot of companies' part of bringing in young talent um, from the start. And there's some industries have become so reliant on a certain person with a certain amount of years experience and skill level that they churn these people around their their market and some of them are retiring so um you know it's oh it's easier to get somebody who can come in and hit the ground running and we don't have capacity to train them and all all of the other excuses that that we hear yeah that's true but what that has done is it's created this void of of talent and um so i i think there's there's ways in which we can solve these some of these problems um i think uh the the ways that we can control anyway um and some of that is taking a real active look at how are we building our pipeline for the future any any business owner whether you're like me which is small or large I've got three apprentices in my team so I would argue I have no more resource or capacity than the next company to train people but we do it and we do it successfully because we want to Um, and I know now that when I have people leaving at the end of uh, at the top of the the tree as consultants I have people that are being trained every single day to become them in the future um, and that's one thing that I think is hugely needed is this constant looking at our, our young people yeah. and how we can get them into these careers um, sooner rather than later and look at the kick you know the success of the kickstart program you know in local terms you know Somerset I think we place something like 300 people um, just from by our chamber of commerce alone um, into kickstart um, programs you know that that is incredible and it just goes to show the amount of young people that needed support to get into the workplace so that's one thing and then the other thing is flexibility you know even despite the world we've been in the last 18 months where we were unable on a sixpence to turn to virtual working the amount of companies that are not embracing flexible working is astounding and it's those companies that are struggling on on the whole to fill their vacancies because 
they don't want to have people working from home they want everybody in the office and I, I find that hard to understand to some some of the roles anyway because there's no reason why someone could not work effectively even just part of their week at home and then I think it's about being solutions solutions focused not problem focused and when you start building those three three things together we will start to solve some of our problems I think And I think all of the things you mentioned there, it goes into creating good cultures as well. Mm. I think, you know, another thing that I'm seeing and that I've heard sort of in my world is that the way people were treated throughout the kind of COVID experience, people have gone, well, actually, I don't need to earn as much money. I survive on 80% for however many months. I'm not going to put up with that crap anymore. Mm, mm, you know, I don't need that. I can, I can, you know, reduce my salary or I can go and retrain and do something completely different. And I think, you know, the companies that are not embracing that and aren't listening to people, it's such a huge shame that, yeah. we, you know, as a collective experience, we've gone through this almighty change And I think we're deluded if we think we're going to go back to the way the world was before. The world has changed. We, you know, we've moved on. And I think unless companies embrace that, they're going to really struggle. I Mm. mean, if I was an employee, I wouldn't go and work somewhere that didn't offer me some flexibility in Mm. working because why would you? Mm. I just think it's crazy. And it is. And actually off the back of the climate change discussions as well for the environment it is better if people are not you know traveling to the extent that we we were and still are um you know there's so many reasons to to embrace it fully um which go way beyond the reasons not to um you know i get there's some roles you can't can't do that but there are definitely and I can look at our list of vacancies and and detail probably at least 20 percent where if they would just open the door a little bit to remote working even just for two days a week they would stand a chance of filling those roles and that's where I guess you know when I do hear about all the you know the shortages and in this and the other I take some of it with a pinch of salt because I think you know, some companies are not helping themselves to to resolve their issues. And actually, it's even finer things like their process of how they put people through um, interview. You know, the, the world is moving like this. And if you're going to take three weeks to interview one person, you can count yourself out of, of whether you're going to still have them at the end. And it's, it's little things like that that all add up to making this situation more challenging than it needs to be but then at the same in the same token it's not all on clients because we're we have seen more than ever before candidates um be counter offered being thrown ridiculous sums of money to stay in a business that they'd already decided to leave and rather than actually stick with their original guns they are going yeah okay I, I will I'll take that extra 10 grand thank you and I'll, I won't actually leave this job mm-hmm. um so behaviors um are interesting generally because it's that whole supply and demand thing and it's creating um unfortunately some you know some difficult behaviors from from both sides of the of the fence 
I just, yeah, I, and I've seen a lot of that go on as well. I just think it's so kind of short-sighted in so many ways because you just have to ask yourself the question, well, why haven't they done this before? Why haven't I been paid what I'm worth? Right. Before? Why is it taken me to actually quit to be paid what I'm worth? You know, it's just, and, you know, there's loads of stats around counter-offers and actually what percentage go yeah. on to drop out. So, yeah. I think, yeah, as you say, it's really short-sighted. It really, uh, on both sides. And actually what happens with, I think, from an employer's perspective is they panic. Yeah. They think, oh my God, I love, you know, this person's amazing. I heard all about these shortages. I'm never going to find a replacement. So they act in a state of panic. Yeah. And um, perhaps if they've given themselves a few days to go away and, and think about it, um, they wouldn't necessarily put those counter offers together, but they're not doing that. Um, and then again, everything's acting at such a speed yeah. that decision making is is sometimes perhaps questionable. Where if everyone just took a step back for a minute, um, they yeah. would think about what they were doing. Um, and you're right again, and also about the stats is is around trust because. If you think about that person have gone through the trauma of interviewing and gone yeah. and found themselves another job, yeah. um, all behind your back, yeah. um, where's the trust? And yeah. it's like if you went and found another husband and then said to your current husband, right, I'm, I'm off because I met John, you know, the other one would want to keep you. But, but you can't get away from the fact that there's been this whole kind of secret thing happening. And I think that that is very difficult actually to forget for both both parties and I remember I actually took a counter offer years ago yeah same and I didn't ever feel quite the same again I I used to feel guilty I felt constantly guilty especially with one particular director I felt like he held it you know like he never said but I felt like he held it against me forever and the trust had gone in in our relationship and uh, you know I'm sure I'm not alone in thinking like that yeah same I I had a similar thing and I just it just grates away at you over time mm. because you feel like you always feel like you owe them something and you just never quite feel that yeah it's kind of like in a relationship isn't yeah. it you quite kind of feel the trust is there and yeah. <laughs> they're watching you all the time you know are you really on that oh. day's holiday yeah. or are you going on, are you going on an interview you know <laughs> definitely yeah so I guess that kind of again you're looking at sort of leadership qualities within organizations and and people investing in that and I know you mentioned earlier that you've done a load of work around kind of your leadership mm. and how you show up as a leader I mean what would you say are the key things that you've learned through the work that you've done around being a great leader making time for your staff and being consistent with that because I remember I was guilty of, uh, you know, a client visit would be in my diary and there was no way would I not turn up to that or I would push that back or, um, you know, that wouldn't be a priority yet. I didn't afford my staff maybe the same um, courtesy. Mm. Um, and one of the things I remember from, my, from the people I work with was treat your staff like your clients. Um, so that was kind of the one important aspect of what I've learned. But also I think treating them as individuals and getting to know how they tick and what they need from you because not every single person is the same and if you try and treat them as such then they will not 
be able to give their best to you. Um, so it's it's really important to get under the skin of what um, what that person really needs yeah. in order to be the best person in their in their role. Um, and actually, never assume anything because you might think, well, that person they wouldn't make a very good this, that, or the other. Well, if if you frame it right, if you know what they need and you deliver that, they could be the best person you've you've ever employed. Um, and, and listening, I think, is is really important to um, spend time listening to what they, you know, what what their aspirations are and how you can work with them. And you won't always be able to do that forever. You know, um, again, something I learned this year, I lost somebody that been with me a long time and, and we were like two peas in the pod. But uh, leaving was not about me or elite or her role here. It was about something bigger that she wanted to go on and, and do for herself and her family. And that's that's OK. You know that that we all have that chance in life. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's just treating people the best you possibly can. Um, giving them flexibility, um, you know, giving them a bit of a, a slack here and there if something's going on in their personal lives you know people are not robots yeah. and um you know we we've got to try and look after them the best we possibly can because the better you are for them the better they will be for your clients yeah 100 percent. and I think it just goes back to that whole thing of treating people like adults and yeah. like naughty little children and I think you know, there's some real cultures around where it's very much like that. It's a very parental kind of setup. And, you know, I, uh, my belief is you treat people really well, you hold them to account. And, you know, that's how you are with people. You're yeah. honest, you're open, you support them, but there's expectations there. Yeah. And as long as you all agree to kind of behave like grown adults, those difficult conversations they're not difficult anymore because no. you know that it's coming from a really good place and it's coming from an honest place and there's no backstabbing and there's no taking people down you know to for your own gain and I think mm. it's that kind of whole leadership piece it has to be conscious and I think a lot of people are in leadership positions that are there because they've been there a really long time mm. and they don't actually do any work on becoming a leader and, and showing up in that role. Mm. Yeah, I think, again, that's a real shame and mm -hmm. something that I'm definitely kind of passionate about improving. Yeah, I've had some interesting bosses over the years and ones that kind of ruled through fear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I probably responded quite well to that in a sense of performing, but did I enjoy it? was I kind of happiest absolutely not um and it was those that I collaborated with and saw me as someone sort of not equal but certainly you know on, on a level where I they had my best work yeah without a doubt 100 percent you you cannot get people performing at their best when they're in a state of fear it's mm -hmm. a very fine line so they need to be in a stretch zone so they can't be too comfortable because then no growth happens there either yeah but this idea that you've got to terrify people and you know we in our old recruitment days of tying people's hands to phones and stuff like that <laughs> it's just like oh, what you say that's not not right anymore <laughs> 
<laughs> oh. it just doesn't work it just doesn't work and I think no. you know, it's such a strange mentality but unfortunately there are still a lot of people out there that do you know do still think that way but yeah and I think you know my guys are what's great about them is none of them have got any recruitment experience they've all come from different walks of life they've all shared the same thing which is integrity and yeah. and want a, a genuine care for yeah. others and that to me sort of sets us apart from some of our competition because they exude those values and our clients and our candidates can tell and um you know yeah are we will we always have maybe the biggest numbers of some of recruitment companies probably not um but would we always go home and sleep at night and know we did the right thing absolutely um and and that's what matters most to me and sometimes I've struggled with that actually over the years around oh you know I'm supposed to be a sales leader and you know do I get the best numbers and could I could we have sold more if I was a certain way or you know yeah but actually does that really matter you know and and does it matter to me that people like and respect me and want to work here yes it actually does Absolutely. And I think in an industry, so the recruitment industry, you know, we've both worked in it, mm-hmm. you know, it does have a bad reputation in some areas. And but I think times are moving on and the new generations of people coming into the workplace, they don't want to work for companies like that. And no. it's, you know, they're the way that the younger generations have been brought up to be more conscious, to be aware of well-being, to be aware of being kind to other people. You're not going to be able to recruit people if you go around doing shady practices or mm-hmm. you try and shaft people left, right and centre. You know, the world has moved on. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely a quality over quantity kind of approach is going to yeah. be a much better long term option mm. than just trying to get the biggest numbers possible. Yeah, sustainable. Absolutely. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Emma. Uh, Thank you. Interesting to chat to you. And uh, yeah, it's really good to see that a recruitment business is doing really good things in terms of kind of how they look after their teams and leadership and yeah, how they look after their clients as well. So thank you so much. Thank Um, you. Well, I'd I'd have certain person in my uh, phone book saying some things to me if I didn't. (laughs) There would be trouble. (laughs) There would be trouble. Thank you for inviting me as onto your podcast. I'm I'm very excited to hear more interviews in the very near future. Excellent. Thank you very much, Emma. Oh, thank you, Emma, so much for being such a wonderful first episode guest on the People Watching Podcast. Hopefully you all took something away from that episode. I know that I did. And I can't wait to join you all again soon with the next episode.